Okay, you all ready to start? Yes. I'd like to propose a toast. Welcome to Wines and Dolls, a podcast where Chelsea and Emily wine and talk about musicals. Welcome. Wine is a devil on time Okay, welcome to Wines and Dolls. Yay! Yay! We're here, Wines and Dolls, the podcast where... Me, Emily, and her, Chelsea, me. get drunk and talk about musicals. Well, but I haven't gotten drunk in a while, <laughs> but we've got reasons to. We got reasons to. And tonight, this is our first, actually, this is our first time that we're doing this formatted episode because we like changing things. So we are starting a, like, Wine With Us series, and first with us is Miss Jenna Lee Green. Yay! Cheers to Jenna Lee Green. Hello, hello, hello. Look at her, her unicorn cup. <laughs> I love it. Unicorn wine glass. As long as the vessel has wine in it, anything can be a wine glass. Listen, Tupperware, <laughs> what you know, whatever. A shoe. I mean, let's be real. Yeah. That's a real thing. People drink out of shoe. It's like the boot like boot oh, pint yeah. or something. I feel like I've seen that. That's in, like in another country somewhere. That's like a yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's not American. <laughs> Americans do cool, don't do cool like stuff. That. Exactly. <laughs> we're not that. We're not that creative. Yeah. No, we're like it has to be in a certain glass, and we're gonna be snippety about it. <laughs> hey Chelsea. Hey Emily. What are you drinking? I actually brought the bottle so I could oh, show you. How fancy. It's called Haute Couture. Ooh. French bubbles, y'all. I think it's hot. You're hot. I no. know. It has like a fence on it and everything. I know. It's very fancy. James likes to buy this stuff for me. Drink. Uh, but it's a, it's a Prosecco. Every time we say James, you drink. It's her boyfriend. Oh, okay. <laughs> Look, you don't have to give me a, a cue word to take a sip. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Emily. Hey, Chels. What are you drinking? I, too, have the bottle called Hologram. From Yauntville, Napa Valley. Yum. Caps off. Hey, Jenna. Hello. (laughs) What are you drinking? I'm drinking. um, I don't have the bottle. I could get it, but no. Kick her off. Um, I did not bring the bottle because you know what? It's too far from the fridge and and the, (laughs) the cold air that I need to keep it. I'm a big white snob as far as... I'm not actually a snob about it because people would say that I'm disgusting because I have been known to put an ice cube in my wine. I like it ice cold. Ice Perfect. cold. Ice cold white wine. What's cooler than being cool? Yeah, exactly. So I am drinking um, an Oyster Bay Savion Blanc, mm. which is a favorite of mine. Hey, Chelsea. What's up, Emily? What are you whining about? Okay, so, I mean, there's a lot to whine about in the world, but it was just a... a terrible, no good, very bad day for me. And I just was in such a low place. And then I went to my mailbox and I finally got the fucking stimulus check that I've been waiting forever for. I'm one of those people that it was like, it's going to be mailed on the 6th. And it's now right now the 19th. Oh my gosh. I've heard from so many people that are like, yeah, it's supposed to be mailed to me, but I got the last one through direct deposit. That was me. I don't, I guess I was lucky. I literally got it the, the, the day it came out. I was like, oh, cool. That's great. Yeah, my, my roommates, my boyfriend, everybody, everybody got it the, the day it came out. But I, for some reason, waited. You know, the, the whole $600 that our Senate um, apparently thinks will last us for months. 
I mean, it'll last me for a day. That won't even I, pay for my wine. For a month. <laughs> I love it. Hey, Emily. Hey, Chelsea. What are you whining about today? What, what am I whining about today? Every time. I didn't really think about it, to be totally honest. I've, I've been, I've slacked. Look, look I slacked. we've been doing this podcast for over a year. And I will never know what I'm whining I about. Never. <laughs> I am whining because I went to one of my places of work where I teach on camera acting and was mansplained why the camera would not connect to the wall to the projector and they they and he was like all you had to do was plug it in and I was about to bitch slap someone that's what I'm whining about hey Jenna Lee yes what are you whining about today gosh I don't I mean I didn't know the game. It but, can be a um, positive. You, you can have a positive what am I one. I'm, I'm, I'm mimicking our soon-to-be outgoing president because he's a big, fat whiner today. Hey. No. no, I'm just mimicking him and, and kind of reveling in it. I love it. <laughs> Did you guys, did you guys see, I was, I was watching MSNBC for a little while and he's trying to throw this whole like send off for himself, which first of all, never happens, but nobody will come. Mike Pence won't go. Mitch McConnell won't go. It's it, also like, like Washington. Nobody said down. yes. Nobody wants to be with you, bro. Let it They're go on Facebook. Like <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it was a Facebook invite and they hit interested. Interested. <laughs> Could I add one little thing? One little thing. Okay. Yeah. I just want to say, um, I'm going to whine for a second time just for real quick. Our, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know if you knew this. <laughs> Our graphic designer, Christy, with From Pen to Paper, is moving tomorrow. She leaves tomorrow for, <gasps> for her new home. For her I know. new home. She's leaving Houston. And I'm not going to say where she's going for her stalkers out there. Cool. Bye, Bye Christy. Christy. We love, love you. you. Bye, Christy. Mm. We love you. We'll miss you. You should do uh, Libby Chesler for your, um, one of your papers. Safe oh. travels. Safe travels. Oh. All right, now we can jump in. Sorry. Okay. I'm, I okay. had to say it. I had to we say had it. had to say it. Okay, well, we have Miss Jenna Lee Green here. If, if her name sounds familiar, you might recognize her from Bear, a pop opera, a papara. A papara. Later turned into the musical, but we don't talk about that one. Just kidding. We did. Two different shows, honestly. Two, two different really? shows. Yeah. Okay, that, no, I did not, I don't know anything about the musical, only the papara. Which I'm curious. We did, yeah, why. we we did we covered the the popera, but I was uh, when I did the background, I was like, which one are we doing? Because apparently these are very different shows. I mean, it was marketed as being a revival of our version of the show, but it, in my opinion, and and God bless them, the music, the new music that was written was beautiful, and performances, things were lovely, but it just was a different. It was a totally different show. It wasn't the same show, so I felt like they should have just called it something else with one of the original writers and cause it just was a different show. Yeah. Really? Oh yeah. gosh, that drastic. Okay. Yeah. They, I mean the, the score I believe was like half rewritten. That would make sense. Cause they took out the, they took out a lot of the sung through scenes and made them into like book script. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 No, it was, it was really completely rewritten. 
So, you know, the, the, the framework was the same. The idea and the story was the same, but it was rewritten to a, such an, a, a degree that, in my opinion, watching it, I was like, well, this is a different show. Yeah. Well, especially because you were with it for so long. Actually, we can go ahead and jump right into that. So as I was saying, like Miss Jenna Lee, she was in <laughs> Sabrina the Teenage Witch and then went over into to, um, she was Ivy in Bear a Papara. All the way through like development, like you were you were in it, you developed it and then you went all the way to off Broadway. And mm-hmm. did you go beyond off Broadway? Was there or was that there the wasn't end? any that was that any. was I mean, you know, it was a it was a it was a very unceremonious end because we we closed much earlier than we needed to close because mm-hmm. of the fact that there was a big transfer planned for it. And then the, the transfer fell through after we had already closed the show off Broadway. Really? So, I didn't know about the transfer. I knew mm-hmm. there was like the film. Which yeah. has supposedly been in the works for years, but I mean, I'll be, yeah. I'll be old enough to be Claire, which I, well, I, I'm technically, I guess I suppose I could be now by the time the movie's out. So like, <laughs> Hey, I'll be the mom. Hey, casting director, Yay. she wants to be the mom. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm like, you don't look a day over 18. So I don't Stop know what you put on your face. Right now, that is, it's, no, that's, it's the wine. It's the wine. It's what it is. Because I like Drink head, copious like, amounts of wine and don't ever leave your house for a year. And you too can have great skin. Perfect. Listen to that, kids. That's that's the advice for younger younger performers. <laughs> <laughs> so how how did you get into the performance industry? What what inspired you to get into this industry of acting? First and foremost, I come from a very um, uh, artistic family. Not necessarily no no one else really who pursued performing as a career. Although my grandfather did for a short amount of time. My grandfather wanted to be an actor. This is my mother's father. He wanted to be an actor, and he was very serious about acting. He he, he was uh, in acting class for years, and Leonard Nimoy, um, Spock, right? Right, uh-huh. Spock, yeah. yeah. Was yeah. his acting teacher, and Cher, he told, he used to, well, my grandfather has passed, but he used to tell this story all the time. He loved this story about how Cher was in his acting class, and she came in one day and was so excited to tell everybody, you guys, you guys, my boyfriend and I recorded an album. And everyone in oh class God. was like, Cher, you're an actress, not a singer. <gasps> so that was, oh my God. And he did, he, he had a couple of television appearances on a couple of TV shows, you know, way back in the day. And then, but you know, my grandparents married at, at like 18 and 19. They had five children. At a certain point, you just can't pursue anything you have to take a job so Mm -hmm. but my grandfather literally until the day he died continued to pay his sag dues even though he hadn't stepped foot you know on 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 camera in my god um I don't know 50 years at that point 55 60 years I mean he but he paid his sag dues every year it was so it was such a huge honor to him to have been able to be a member of the Screen Actors Guild. So that's a cool story. Um, But my mother was always very, 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 you know, in in high school, college, like she was always, she's not a singer at all, but she loved drama. So she was, you know, did all the plays and stuff, but just no, 
no drive, not, she, she didn't want to pursue it as a career, Mm -hmm. but she loved it. So it was really in my family. My father, not a performer, bartender, but he was a singer. He sang, he had a beautiful, beautiful voice. And when he was in college, he was in, in Connecticut, he was in um, a band called the Academics and they were on American Bandstand. Oh, Oh, wow. (laughs) They had, you have such a cool family history. And I was raised actually though, by my stepfather. So I didn't inherit anything from him, but he was a singer songwriter. So there was always music in our house. And, and so, yes, my, my house was always filled with music. And my my grandmother is an artist, a painter. So uh, the artistic bone was definitely in my, my blood for sure. But I have two sisters. I am a twin and I was always the shy one. So I think, you know, I, I don't even remember how old I was, but um, it was in like church or something. They were doing some sort of a little, you know, the, the, you know, small churches, like the one I grew up in a very non-denominational, you know, Christian church. Yeah, They yeah. would do these like once or twice a year, these, like, it's a little play with music and it all has like a very inspirational message. And <laughs> so I just, my, my mom was like doing the drama and her friend was doing the music. And so she just kind of dragged my sister and I along and I just really took to it. And I think for me, because my sister always had such a boisterous personality and I did not, I think it was this cool escape for me because I, I got to be somebody else. Not that I didn't like myself. I never had that like, oh, me. No, it wasn't like that. It was just, I was kind of shy and didn't really know how to speak up for myself. And I found that getting to play parts, I could say anything they, they you know, I wanted to because it was somebody else's words. So I just really took to it and then started doing more and more and more. And, it, and then I entered, um, you know, this was entering kind of junior high school and, and the, my, I, you know, I grew up in Southern California. So a lot of the schools um, kind of pride themselves on having good performing arts programs. Mm-hmm. So I just, it was, I was like a sponge. I just, I started doing summer, you know, at, at 12 and 13 years old, I was doing you know, summer programs of, you know, theater camp and this and that. And um, one thing just kind of led to another. I was still, a, you know, a teenager and I was doing, you know, all of the community theaters in our area, which were really good theaters, like good, good productions. Amanda Bynes was Mary to my Martha in the Secret Garden. Like these were good oh productions. Gosh. Yeah. Wow. And it was just one of those things. There was like, you know, I think I was doing a production of Into the Woods. I was playing Little Red Riding Hood and there was a manager in the house. And it was just, you know, you meet, not my manager now, obviously it's Mm -hmm. been years and years and years, but she just kind of started. It was like, are you interested in pursuing this? So I did all this musical theater, but television just kind of, even though I lived outside of LA, Mm-hmm. I just kind of fell into it because somebody was like, do you want to do this professionally? Like, let's get you an agent. Let's, and I was lucky. And I realized that because I had young kids all the time asking me, you know, how, how do you get an agent? How do you get into the business? And I feel bad sometimes because I really do understand that I lucked out. I happened mm-hmm. to live in the right place. I happened to have had a family who was super supportive and recognized that I had a a talent 
in, you know, the performing arts areas and encouraged me. No stage parents. I didn't have stage parents at all. They were like, great. You want to do that play? Find a ride, but cool. You can do it. (laughs) They weren't blowing the air up your ass. (laughs) No, Uh but, um, you know, so I just kind of fell into it and right away started auditioning for things. And honestly, Sabrina didn't come too far after I, Mm -hmm. I did a couple of small things before that, but I just, that was like my first full pilot season, I think. And it was just, I was in the right place at the right time. And, and, and I was so young. I didn't have any fear. Like now I I audition for things now and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm shaking. I'm so nervous. Oh my God. Are they going to like me? But when you're a child, (sighs) when you're that young, you're just like, great. What are these lines? Okay, cool. Because <laughs> we don't have bills to pay when we're yeah. young, right? Like it's not so much writing. You're like, yeah, I can do that. The cheerleader got it. Sure, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that actually leads us into the Sabrina bit. So the kids at home, this is not Netflix Sabrina. This yeah. is the OG <laughs> Sabrina. The, I dare I say it, the better one with the Salem. I, I didn't say it. I actually do. I do agree. <laughs> I know. Well, 100%. They actually again, like I will say two totally different shows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. And one happens to be better than the other. <laughs> we just won't say which yeah. one I happen oh, to grow up. I mean, I said with it. this. <laughs> okay, well. It was very dark. It was very dark. And our show was oh. anything but dark. It was so lighthearted and fun and joyful and silly and cute and all things squeaky clean. And you were on for three seasons, right? Uh-huh. Three seasons. Uh, do you have any, like, stories, behind-the-scenes stories you want to share with us? Oh, gosh. I mean, there was always stuff. Like, my character, you know, because she was the mean girl, and you're talking about a show that, that dealt with magic. So it was yeah. like, I got such a lesson in pratfalls and comedic timing and, you know, pies mm-hmm. in the face and all of those things. <laughs> but all of those things yeah. were real things. Like, you see an episode... With a pie in the face, that was really me just slapping Getting. myself in the face with pie and or yeah. falling into a cake. And um, but I loved it. It was <laughs> it was so cool. And we, you know, we got to do things like film an episode at, at Disney World at the Animal Kingdom. And that was, I mean, all these experiences that I never had had before. I'd barely been on an airplane. Oh my so, gosh. To get to do, you know, and it was like I kind of feel like like I didn't I didn't go to college. That was my college. Sabrina College? Yeah, you know, people <laughs> talk about like, you know, well, I went to, to theater school and this is what I learned. Da, da, da. I'm like, I learned how to go back to one, how to hit your mark. <laughs> uh-huh. You know? You got the how real to, life How trip. to not look directly into the camera. Like, uh, the, that's what I was learning when I, when everybody else I knew was in college. So, yeah. Um, I mean, that's But better. it was just, it was a really, really cool experience that I, I recognize how lucky I was to, to get to have. I, I do think it's funny because somehow because the show has kind of kept the nostalgia and people still to this day watch it, it, it lends itself to people thinking, not realizing just how long ago it actually was. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think maybe people thinking I'm, I'm like a tad bit cooler than I actually am. I'm like, it was such a long time ago. Like, I certainly don't really make money no. from it, nor <laughs> do, is it, is it like booking me jobs? But it was a very, very, very cool part of my youth. I, mm-hmm. I love that. But like, okay, I do have to ask like the, yeah. you know, 
thousand dollar question. Sure. Do you prefer film over stage? That's a a, a very common question. Yeah. <laughs> everybody asks. Yeah. Everybody asks the question, and I know that everybody has a different answer for it. Um, I have a non-answer for you. Perfect. I, Love that. I don't. I could. I could never choose. They are two completely different worlds. That that um use totally different muscles that use totally different parts of your brain that use totally different, um, emotions and feelings. And I don't know how to compare how I like one over the other. There are things about television and film that are so cool and awesome. And, and you're constantly working with new material and you get to change it up and make it fresh. But, um, it's also, sometimes a bit robotic and sometimes a bit stagnant and sometimes a bit like you're not really, you don't feel like you're really acting because you're doing a scene 80 times. And then because of the way that the shot is, they can't really have your co-star in, in this shot with you. So they're off to the side, but you can't look at them because you got to look at that spot on the side of the camera. And sometimes somebody just holds up a hand. And so then you're trying to act to a hand and you film everything out of order. So then your brain is like, okay, what just happened before? So it, it can be really difficult. On the flip side, you know, you've got this world of theater where you get the adrenaline and the rush of like the live performance, but it's also terrifying. Mm-hmm. I'm someone who has always struggled with stage fright, never got over it. Like I, I wish that I could tell people, oh, just keep doing it. You'll, it'll go away. <laughs> it does for some people. Yeah. But for me, it does not. I still struggle with calming my nerves. And um, you're also doing it's a muscle. Yeah, and you're also doing the same show eight times a week. And you have to find a way yourself to not get bored with your job. You have to find a way to make it fresh, to make it real, to make it new, because 75% of the audience has never seen it before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So honestly, um, I saw you as Nessa Rose oh. when you came through Houston. Yes, I, and I was like, Houston. I was like, yes. I, w- I mean, honestly, Aww. you were fabulous, just fabulous. We spent Halloween in Houston, and there was some sort of sporting event that caused like these crazy riots, and it was like very. Oh, it was a football. It, it was a very, very, very like it was. I remember that then we had a show that night, and they were like, "You guys need to get escorted." Like to hotels because we would walk oh yeah so, it was baseball some, it was yeah baseball. it was baseball it was baseball I can't remember exactly what it was but the Astros yeah it was something big and like craziness ensued I was like we're in the south I think it was the the world it, series yeah, it might have been I'm pretty sure it was the I'm world, like, series. world series baseball game football I don't know <laughs> they, they made they made what? touchdowns right touch-ups yeah <laughs> there was a ball involved <laughs> several balls really that's basically several balls yes <laughs> Kenzie? Whoops. What? I think we're in the wrong podcast, Kate. What? How do you know? I mean, I'm pretty sure that's not our audience. Well, I mean, they could be if they went over and listened to us on the I Can't Stop Thinking About podcast. You mean the podcast about all the things we can't stop thinking about, like Dragon Age, Steven Spielberg, Avatar The Last Airbender, and much, much more? I mean, I wouldn't have said it like it was an infomercial, but yeah, that one. It is available on all platforms, after all. That is very convenient. Well, we should, uh, probably get back to our own show, shouldn't we? Probably. 
It was nice to meet you all anyway. Yeah, cheers. You know, we would have been there already if you just asked for directions like I told you to. Oh my god, what are you, my mom? I Sorry, y'all, brain fog since COVID. Yeah. Did you actually have COVID? I did. <gasps> I'm okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine. It's the after effects that are the worst you part. You know what, I, like, have had, I have many friends who did have COVID and no joke, man, months later, they still have stuff going on. And that's something that people are not talking about enough that like, yeah, you may not have ended up on a ventilator, but months later, you're still not okay. You're still sick, inflamed lungs, brain fog is a thing. Like I feel so old. I can't remember anything. Did you lose your your smell and your taste? No, I didn't. I'm like one of the only people who I know that has it, that, that never lost it, but I know we sidetracked, but, but I, you know, that's, that's just relevant to today. So I hear something. I'm like, wait, 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 tell me. Well, you want to know what, what is a really scary thing is, um, filming anything in the time of COVID. Oh, tell us yeah, about that. Are you filming right now? Getting sick because then it's like oh. you have the plague and you are Everybody sequestered until they can find out until all the tests come back and you definitely feel like a leper. Yeah. (laughs) Can relate. I feel like there's a story behind that. Please tell. Well, it just happened to me. I, 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 I was just, I'm not currently filming, but, um, it, I was unbelievably lucky to be filming a movie in December and, um, we wrapped right before Christmas. I immediately got on a plane and came, I mean, I was tested every other day, so I'd never felt safer in my life. I was literally yeah. tested the day I got on the plane. And then of course I came right to my family, quarantined there, tested again before I, you know, emerged. I'm, I'm unbelievably safe. I, I, I've barely gone anywhere in a year. I didn't even leave my house, but, um, I, because of the fact that I had spent what, nine months at that point, literally shut in, I was exposed to anything. I hadn't had so much as a sniffle in a year, but all of a sudden I found myself in 30 degree weather in, you know, rural, deep rural New Jersey. It was close to to Pennsylvania wearing clothing that wasn't necessary. You know, of course they, the, the, the crew on this film did such a brilliant job you know, anything that I possibly could have needed. Anytime they said cut, they were coming at me with, you know, hand warmers and a huge coat and just anything that they could do to help keep me warm. But the fact is when we were actually filming, which we were filming a a movie that was shot 90% outdoors, it was cold. Oh, yeah. And my, you know, the, the setting is nondescript. So they, I was wearing like 14 layers, but you can't tell. I had like thermals and pants and boots and mm-hmm. three pairs of socks and, you know, but it's still oh my, my, my whole chest, my face, my neck, it was all exposed. And about three days in it hit me and I got a gnarly cold. It was just a cold. Yeah. And I, I knew it was, you, when you haven't been sick in yeah, a year. And it was just Ooh. like, it happened immediately. I hadn't been exposed to anything. I hadn't been exposed to the outdoors. I hadn't been exposed to other human beings. I hadn't been exposed to anything. And I know my body, so I know what happens when I'm getting a cold. So it, to me, I was like, oh, I'm getting a cold. But no one else does. So mm-hmm. the minute I was like, I think I need some cold meds, they were like, boom, sequestered, stay in here. You can't <laughs> go anywhere. We're changing the scenes. 
rapid test immediately. We got to get your results from yesterday's test. Like it was a whole thing. So it was a cold, but it's just like, yeah, don't, don't work and get a cold right now because you definitely are like, I feel crazy. I, (laughs) I promise I'm not, I don't have the plague. I know it's the worst. It's just the worst. Oh, well, we're glad you did not have COVID. Yeah. But just a man being exposed to the elements after months and months and months and months. months Yeah. It'll just take you down, man. That sounds like a disaster. It does sound like a disaster. Oh, was that a segue into our next question? (laughs) (laughs) Because we, I think we'd be amiss if we did not ask you about the one time that you were Alphaba because listeners, Miss Jenna was understudy for Alphaba and you played Alphaba several times. And one of those times, a little tech (laughs) situation happened where, Mm -hmm. uh, the defying of the gravity did not Mm -hmm. come to pass. And I, I Mm -hmm. am just, I, I don't even know where to begin to ask. I must know. I must know just from beginning to end. So did you what know that, that like? um, th- did you know that I was the first? Yes. And okay. that's, I like literally was like, Chelsea, I didn't. she's the first, we have to ask her. <laughs> so when we started, so the original company of the first national tour, um, when, when they were putting the tour together, mm-hmm. they, um, attempted to not have standbys. Oh. So they wanted to internally cover Alphabet and Glinda. Now, this was only done for the first year of the first national tour. After that, they realized it was much more beneficial to them to just hire a standby. And each one of those girls was there specifically for that reason. But but I was a part of the original company of the first national tour, and we did not use standbys. So because all of my initial auditions for the show had been for Alphaba, Mm -hmm. and then I literally had a 30-second audition for Nessa Rose, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. It was the shortest audition I've ever had in my life. And Joe Mantello said, you don't have to sing the song. Cause I'd already yeah. had four auditions or whatever, where yeah. I sang, you know, all the other Define songs. gravity and yeah. wizard. Yeah. So, um, so, but because of that, you know, when you're a standby, you have one job and one job only, and that is to focus on the role you cover and mm-hmm. to be prepared at any given moment. But because we did not go that route. And because I had my own role that I was learning and teching and, mm-hmm. um, they also kept, you know, um, blocking rehearsals when we were rehearsing the show, they kept, uh, the decision was made to keep, to keep the room closed. So if you were an understudy, you weren't, cause sometimes they do, you know, when they're rehearsing specific scenes or numbers, understudies will be there, you know, near the dance captain somewhere taking notes and, yeah. you know, writing down the blocking or, or, you know, under look, you're following. Yeah. But we didn't do that. So if you weren't in, if you weren't actually in the scene, you had no idea what was really happening. Yeah. So cut to, we were oh. teching and we were teching the show for an opening in Toronto and um, we had um, a kind of a trick or a specialty go wrong the day mm-hmm. before our first preview. And Stephanie Block was injured. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's such a trooper and she's mm-hmm. like the strongest person ever. And so amazing. But she, she had an injury from it and it delayed our opening. And they, um, so we had to, they actually flew an understudy. They flew Christy Cates from New York to Toronto and she did 
um, a couple performances and then Stephanie came in and was doing it, but she wasn't quite like her body needed some time to heal. Mm -hmm. She was doing, you know, as many shows per week as she could. And then Christy was doing others. And then on our opening night, I believe it was our official opening night. We did some previews and then on our official opening night, our company manager called me a few hours before the show uh, started before curtain and said, I just want to wish you a really happy opening, you know, have so much fun out there tonight. Also, by the way, I want to let you know that you're going to be alphabet on Friday night. Oh, <gasps> and this was like a Tuesday Yeah, and I'd okay. never rehearsed. I'd never yeah. rehearsed. I didn't have blocking. I'd Ooh. never sang a song except for whatever I sang in the auditions. Mm-hmm. I'd never, I didn't know anything, you know? And of course, you know, we're your fans of the show. Like I knew the show already before yeah. I auditioned. I was like, we're good. I love it. But you know what you've heard on the cast album. And of course we were in rehearsals. So we're watching the show, but I wasn't in private rehearsals as an understudy yet. We hadn't started those. Mm-hmm. So they gave me this insanely fast crash course I literally have no idea how I learned the show. I think to this day, I like recite things in my sleep. And I think it stems from that. Like down like I go to sleep. And, I go to sleep and then my brain turns on because I think that I literally spent three days. I'm, I'm not, I shit you not. I spent, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever it may be going, okay, right four, left six, right eight, left two. And that's the blocking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would like mouth all the words because I was trying to memorize all of this stuff in such a crazy, crazy crash course. But one of the things that they had me come in and do was, you know, ride the tower in before Wonderful and um, uh, do some some spacing for like No Good Deed because it's you've got the air in the, in the floor and yeah. also the what we call the cherry picker for Divine Gravity. And that's, it's a whole complicated thing because you have to remember Alphaba's wearing, at this point, she's wearing a dress. She's okay. also got a cape on because Glinda has just put the cape on her. She's got a book bag around her that's carrying the grimery. She's mm-hmm. got a broom. She's got hair that, that goes you know down past her behind. <laughs> and you have to run into this thing and you've got to get all the way in and make sure that the, the cape is over these, you know, bars. And mm-hmm. only if you're completely in and nothing is obstructing it, will it completely close. And oh. that's a safety measure, which is yeah. great. It's, it's what you need. So we were always told that if you're not in it correctly and you're not safe, it's not going to move forward and it's not going to raise. But because okay. everything was happening so fast and I'd had such a crash course in how to even maneuver and where the hell I needed to be on stage. Forget the words, because I messed a lot of those up the first day. <laughs> but um, make those up. I, you know, ran back and I got into the, the thing and I thought everything was perfect. And I was like, it's not her. She's not the one you want. It's me. It's me. And it moved forward just like it's supposed to. But mm-hmm. it just didn't raise. Just uh... moved all the way forward didn't move, didn't go up. The will of God lifts me. Exactly. <laughs> and because this was the first time it had ever happened, there was no plan B. Now they've got a plan B. They open the thing. She runs out to the foot of the stage. They change the lights. It's glorious. Yeah. But they didn't have mm-hmm. anything at this point. So, you know, imagine me, my first performance, it doesn't work. I'm positive I did something wrong. 
Yeah. So I'm like, this is the biggest thing in the whole show. This is what everyone in the audience waits for. I've totally screwed it up. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And I'm just like, just sing. <laughs> so I was just like saying, I couldn't move because I couldn't get out of it. Yeah. You're and one weird. by one, just every cast member started, you know, their, their hands are in, you know, they're supposed to be in the air, like up at, at me like this. But because I was on the ground, they just one by one started slowly fading to the floor. And then by <laughs> the end the of the number, they're just <laughs> laying on the ground with their hands up. I love that. Turns out it wasn't me at all. There was a problem with the actual um, the cherry picker mechanism. Yeah, yeah there was a, there was a, there was a problem with it. it. Was like an air pump issue. I'm not really sure what it was, but I do have the the um, stigma and or slash bragging rights bragging rights of being <laughs> of having the first no fly show. Hey, because of you, there's now a plan B. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or because of that rig, not you, because of the rig. I hope they call it like the Jenna plan. Ah, like, it's nah. like the Jenna plan. Rude. It's, it's, it's Rude. maneuver Jenna. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, so that was that was a crazy mishap, certainly. I mean, there was so, I mean, I had so many mishaps because I did end up, you know, because of the fact that there was no stand, standbys, yeah. I did end up having this amazing year where I played this beautiful role full-time. Nessa Rose is such a wonderful role in mm-hmm. my opinion. But then I also, I mean, I ended over the course of the year, I feel like, I think I ended up doing like at like 40 performances at least maybe yeah. between 40 and 50 performances. Cause um, you know, we, it, it, listen, this, that role is a beast. I don't know yeah. anyone who, if you can realistically do eight performances of that role a week, you are not human. You are not yeah. human. Yep. Jessica Vosk, you are not human. Well, yeah. Jessica Vosk is not human. <laughs> He's like, no, she, not, she, no. she had a very similar sentiment, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just not a doable thing. So, you know, I, I, I ended up being on the receiving end of getting the amazing, brilliant opportunity for a year to get to, to, you know, we kind of just did, we, you know, we, we, on two show days, that's mm-hmm. for the, every once in a while you get a random call being like, Hey, you know, you're on tonight, but generally it was a weekend. So it was, you know, yeah. one of a two show day. And, um, it was awesome. It was really, really cool. Well, let's talk about about Ivy a little bit. Tell us about about the development of You guys, of I've that like ruined character. your show. I'm just like, you, you tell me what you want to talk about. And I'm like, I'll tell you what I want to talk about. And I'm almost out of wine. You guys had the right idea. You brought the bottle to you. I'm like, it's over there. It's over there. But I'm not over there. <laughs> so, okay, now I have wine. So now we have wine. She's good. Anybody, She's ready. ready to wine about Ivy. Yeah. I don't really have any like crazy total, like, oh my God, I I don't know what to do or crazy mishap stories um, that happened to me personally. But we did have, like, we did the show, first of all, we did the show in Los Angeles first. And the show ran for like eight months, eight or nine months. It was the show that had like a, it was scheduled to have a six week run and, and our extended. first weekend, like no one was there in this little 99 seat theater. And then the reviews came out and the and reviews like, were like, it was like, we were the second coming of 
everything. We were rent or we were whatever. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like people were trying to like beg, borrow or steal or swindle to get a ticket to this show. We had people sitting on the stairs in this little, you know, this, the center was like 99 seats and there's a stairwell in the middle. We had yeah. people lining the stairs, which was a complete violation of the fire okay. code. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Um, As a house manager, I'm offended. Yeah, but we did because people, people, I would show up to work and, um, which I I laugh because at the time I would never have even thought of calling it work, but I would show up to the theater and there was already a line around the block of people just waiting for standby tickets. It was insane. It was this crazy, crazy, crazy experience. And there are people that I met doing that show here in Los Angeles, as well as the New York company that I, to this day are still my best friends and we got paid nothing. We literally got paid like, I don't even know, maybe like $20 a show. Oh my God. Like the Los Angeles 99 seat contract is crazy. Mm-hmm. 25 bucks a show oh. or something like that. But here's how obsessed we were. Nobody missed shows. No one missed shows. Wow. We had one performance though where everyone got sick. And so that we had, we, it was just like something, because it, first of all, here, let's be real here. In that show, we were all making out with each other. So if one person oh, got yeah. sick, they gave it to another, they gave it to another, they gave it to another. So there was yeah. one performance where so many people were sick. We had our director on stage. We had our lighting designer on stage. We had our, our, our like assistant music. We had like literally people who are not cast members because we just needed bodies on stage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how just, bad it was. But we were so obsessed with this show that in, you know, the, I, I, I'm not a big, I don't like to call out of shows. I don't like to call out of shows. <laughs> I was doing the Marvelous Wonderettes in New York City um, somewhat recently at the revival of Marvelous Wonderettes. And there was one day where I was practically on a deathbed. I went to urgent care in the morning and they were like, oh no you don't go to work. And I was like, I don't have anybody to come with me. I, I literally, I still did that show. So yeah. it takes yeah. a lot to get me to call out of a show, but, um, I, you could have called Roger Bean. I'm sure he would have just slapped on a wig and right, filled it. Right? Um, <laughs> but I booked an episode of a TV show that no one's ever heard of. It was on USA. It was called cover me. But I did, I booked this show, but it filmed in Salt Lake City. And I was like, I didn't know what to do because I was like, oh my God, but I'm going to have to miss Bear. Like I was, that's how into it every single one of us was. So I actually, because, you know, it, it through, you know, it's union rules, it's this and that, but like, if you book a show that films in another state and you have to fly, they have to fly you first class. So I chose to trade in my first class flights for coach seats so that I could go to Salt Lake City, film Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, get on a plane, get, I missed the Thursday show two weeks in a row, but I still flew back, did Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday matinee. I think we had Sunday matinee, I'm not sure. And then flew back to Salt Lake City, filmed the rest of the week, came back and did it. Like, yeah, I was like, I am not missing a performance of bear. So I did end up missing two shows in the, you know, eight months or whatever it was, but it was because I was working on something else and I literally refused to miss the shows. 
And we were all that way. That's how much we loved it. And we were a family and we had so much fun. It was like, we didn't care that we weren't being paid anything. And this was very shortly after Sabrina. So I was still very young and like, mm-hmm. you're just grateful and happy you're in this world. And then it took us four years, almost well, three and a half years to get it to New York. We did tons of workshops and readings after the LA production. I went to New York once or twice, I think twice for two separate readings, workshops, whatever you want to call it, before it was finally produced. And then our New York run was only like six weeks. Yeah. I remember reading it was like really short for some reason. But we we could have, I mean, we were doing really well. We could have continued to keep it open, but they were planning this big, huge transfer. We were the show that was going to open what is now New World Stages, but it was originally called Dodger Stages. Mm -hmm. And we were going to be kind of the inaugural show. And then just a a lot of things behind the scenes went wrong with the production team and not the production team, the producers. And they, the funding just wasn't there anymore. And so it was just this crazy like tragedy because we could have just kept running where we were, but we had chosen to close so that we could make a transfer to a much, we were going from a, a, you know, hundred seat theater to a 500 seat theater. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it just didn't, and it was this whole, I mean, it was one of those like total, that didn't really happen stories of like, we knew things were going, we knew things were off and we'd been, it had been postponed, but they were keeping us all kind of on, on the line, on hold. Yeah. And then, but it was the, the end of it was truly one of those Friday night phone calls saying, you know, when you have a, you start on Monday. Yeah. Saying it's not happening. And we were um. devastated. We were devastated. But, you know, Wicked came. I had a summer of fun when I just played in New York City because I didn't know what I was doing and I was like I had no job and then Wicked came really quickly after that I think that that um, I had the whole summer and I booked Wicked in like October oh I'm wow. like thanking God for the butt okay. I was like is her butt yeah. to the story please but you know it was just like in, in like in New York it was it, for me it was a crazy yeah. experience because I I ended up being the only cast member from the Los Angeles production to transfer to New York so yeah. then I'm doing this whole show this 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 show that I've done for a year, but really years Yeah. at this point. But when you're doing it with all new people, like you have to make it a new show. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you have to kind of let go of everything you thought you knew and everything you thought she was and everything you thought the show was because you have an entirely new cast who deserves someone who is open to the way that they do things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And relating to them the way that they relate to you. So it was such a great lesson in like, you can't, you can't just create a character by yourself. You create a character who interacts a specific way with one person, but then, you know, and it's the same thing, you know, I learned a lot of, I learned a lot after that, you know, being an understudy in Wicked because, you know, I was never going to be the same Alphaba that Stephanie was and the, mm-hmm. and, and having gracious people around me who allowed me to, to, to do the, sh- to do the, the show my way. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a similar thing coming to New York and having an entirely brand new cast. And so I got to kind of re-explore the whole show. And then we had, you know, there were tons of like weird things that would happen. You know, there was sicknesses there too. And M- Michael Arden's Michael would always 
short out. So we'd have, he would have like no mics. And one of somebody told, was it Keely? I think our, or, or no, it was Natalie Joe Johnson. It was our Nadia, who's an absolute mm-hmm. freaking goddess. Yeah. But she, one day she was like talking about how it was, we, we just did this big bear retrospective and she was telling the story about how we were in the opening number and it gets to her solo and there's, she's like, ah, damn it. The sound again. Da, da, da. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh, I don't have my mic on. Oh. <laughs> she's like, no. and, and I have since done that. I did that in the Marvelous Wonderettes. I did yeah. it one time. Oh, I, I no. and now I think it was when I was like this whole crazy sickness. I'm like, no, I didn't yeah. do the show, but I was so delirious. I literally just didn't put my mic on one day. Oh my god, oh my no gosh. mic, no mic. <laughs> also, in that show, you never leave the stage, so that's a really interesting. Yeah, thing yeah. Out. But so we had like random things. We had like sometimes our set was like very industrial and crazy. And so sometimes we'd have things like a door wouldn't open. And they had one thing in Los Angeles, they had a thing where the, the, the confessional wouldn't open. So, so at the end of the show, at the final confession, they just came and sat on the floor in, in front of the confessional because the doors wouldn't open. Oh, wow. So like (laughs) things like that went wrong, but improv, but we never had like any crazy, like alphabet didn't fly stories. Yeah. I didn't personally. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just going to start talking, Chelsea. Oh my God, Emily. Do you know what I love? Coffee. I f- fucking love coffee. Even though when I texted you earlier, I was like, do you want coffee? You're like, no, I only well, like good coffee. Look, I don't know what good coffee is until I try it. Okay. Well, you know I tried I ju- yeah. coffee over cardio. Uh, this female-owned company ha- offers high-quality coffees and creamers with no sugar added. It is gluten-free and keto-friendly. And you can get ground coffee, hydration supplements, and creamers. And again, with no sugar added. Right now, I'm actually drinking Workflow. It is their highly caffeinated coffee. It yeah, it is good. It is very good. I've been drinking it all afternoon. Well, you wondered why I was so hype earlier. It's because I've been drinking <sighs> workflow highly caffeinated coffee so that's why you're in such a bouncy good mood right now yes okay it's this coffee okay. it smells it great does smell good. it smells really good yes but you too can get coffee over cardio at coffeeovercardio.com and use promo code 10 dolls yes it does sound like a brothel <laughs> 10 that. dolls that's one zero d-o-l-l-s 10 dolls just like a brothel it will save you 10 percent off it's so funny <laughs> But yes, you can use promo code $10 to get 10% off your first, oh, at all your orders at coffeeovercardio.com. Cheers. You said something earlier saying how it, you, it takes the cast to really develop a character. When we met, um, you, we, I, we were coming to talk to my cast of Heathers about mm-hmm. developing Heather Chandler. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it is, it's kind of amazing to me. You, you seem to be the like, development go-to girl now <laughs> what is that like having to develop characters like day in and out well I don't know anything other I think that mm-hmm. I have had some opportunities that have been presented to me that anyone in their right mind would say yes to and I don't al- I didn't always know what I was doing it was just that 
you know, and, and, and things have come to me in such crazy ways. Like I know that I did wicked because I was in bear because I was doing bear in, in New York. And it was kind of in that moment, this big thing that everybody came to see. So, you know, Stephen Aremus, who was, you know, the original orchestrator and musical director for wicked, he saw bear numerous mm-hmm. times. Yeah. So I know that because of my involvement in bear, that's why I, it was initially considered for wicked. Not, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. want to say that's why I got it, but that's why I was considered for it. Considered, yeah. And then the same kind of thing, like I was doing Bear in Los Angeles. And at the same time, the theater that we were at was called the Hudson. And they had the Hudson main stage and the Hudson backstage. And at that time, the show that was backstage was this show called Reefer Madness. <gasps> Love <Yeah>. it. <laughs> One of my favorites. And the, direct, the writers of that show and the director of that show was, um, well, one of the writers of the show was a man named Kevin Murphy and the director was a man named Andy Fickman. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, we all, everybody got to know each other. So, so when I was still doing there, I ended up workshopping this almost like Indiana Jones ish, um, musical for them that I can't even remember the name of right now, <laughs> but I, w- I was doing this workshop with them of that. So then cut to, a couple of years later, they were trying to get Reefer Madness up and running in New York. And so they did this, they did this big concert of Reefer Madness in at Joe's pub in New York. And they were like, would you come play Mary? So I did this concert of Reefer Madness at Joe's pub. And then because of that, I, I developed this wonderful relationship with Kevin Murphy and Dan Stedney and Andy Fickman, and then cut to... Andy Fickman and Larry O'Keefe together creating Heathers. So that's how I came. And so it started with a, hey, we're going to sit around our living room one day and do this musical read through, this read through of a musical version of Heathers. And we're going to sing all the songs. Will you just read the part? But what you have, what people don't always understand is that the, the process of getting, especially a musical off the ground it takes years and years and years sometimes. Yeah. So the fact of the matter is that I worked on Heather's for four years. Every reading, every workshop, I truly felt like I helped to create this role. However, by the time they finally got the funding and the backing and they got ready to do the show in New York, they just didn't use any of us because we aged mm-hmm. out. And that's just something that happens, yeah. you know? Yeah. They, they wanted to go with a really young cast who was much more true to the age of the characters. And that was none of us, none of us that mm-hmm. had, and we had been through the, 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 the workshop casts had been through numerous incarnations, but there were a couple of us, the three Heathers specifically, mm-hmm. the three Heathers and the Martha dump truck, the four yeah. of us were always the same. The same mm-hmm. four girls always played those roles. So it was, you know, it was heartbreaking because you feel like you've spent so much time creating something and then it finally comes to fruition and you don't get to do it. But that being said, that's, them's the breaks. That's how it goes. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing, you know, like I completely understood why they did what they did. They, they wanted to have this younger feel, this younger cast, and they were all fantastic. But, you know, it doesn't make it easier because when you feel like you've spent so many years working on something, you want to be the one who A, gets paid for doing it. Yeah. 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 And B, yeah. 
you know, gets to actually see this, all this work come to fruition. But that just doesn't, it's just not the case. A lot of times it happens a lot more often than people realize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was the thing I will always, I still feel very connected to Heather Chandler. I have, you know, the most fond memories of getting to kind of help. I mean, you know, I was there when candy store wasn't candy store. It was a totally different song. Like there were like the show went through so many changes and incarnations. And like, I felt like I was a part of all of that. And through me, they got to see what worked and what didn't work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ah, that's great. It's like you, you built this lovely foundation for the, the woman who ended up taking over the role on Broadway. And Jessica Keenan Wynn. Yeah. Well, I knew her. We did, we did this show together in Los Angeles. That was a crazy experience. It was this for the record series, which kind of continued for a while here in LA, but it was this, it was one of the first big immersive type shows. And we did for the record Baz Luhrmann. And it was a three part kind of trilogy of um, Romeo and Juliet, an interim of Strictly Ballroom and Moulin Rouge. And I was Juliet to Jessica Keenan Wynn's Satine. So we did a whole show together and she's the loveliest. Okay, Emily, have you seen Strictly Ballroom, Emily? No. Your homework is to go watch it. I'll, I'll go watch it. I know. It's, it's like you so said that. I was like a ridiculously, so ridiculously cheesy and I love yeah. it. It's so good. It's so good. Ballroom. I will not watch that alone. <laughs> Kristen Hange, our director, definitely made me aware of the fact that the entire production of Bear is on YouTube. So watch it your perusal. I'm very proud of it. I'm very, very proud of it. Nothing oh. ever comes across the same, you know, in a YouTube yeah. video as it would have watching it in person. But, you know, there are a handful of things in my life that I'm very proud of. And that show is one of them. And you were beautiful in it. Thank you. Ivy was a hard character, man. You know, she was, she was a hard girl. People didn't like her. And, you know, because, and, but it's because of the beauty of the show, the people, mm-hmm. the audience was so invested in the relationship of, of, of Peter and Jason. It didn't matter if, it wouldn't have mattered if Ivy was the nicest person that had ever walked the earth. The audience was not going to like her. Yeah. I would come out the stage, you know, we would finish the show and come out afterwards and we'd have, you know, you know, audience, you know, as you say, the stage door type situation, yeah. but like people would just like glare at me, like glare at me it wasn't my fault (laughs) exactly and you're like in your mind you're like you guys realize that this was a a a play right like this is not real life these boys I love them I love both of them they love me like we're all friends but people would like oh I that's so for being like the nicest person in the whole world and you're just a I'm gonna say it Emily a fucking delight you're a fucking delight to talk to you So for being I've played a lot of like not so nice people. I was gonna say, yes, you've played so many not nice people. Here's the thing, though. Actually, I I will just prep, I will just throw in there. Ivy was not a not nice person. Ivy had a lot of her own issues and Ivy had a lot of, you know, insecurities. But let's be real here. Like Nadia was dealing with her own stuff, but if you want to talk about who the mean girl was, it's Nadia. Nadia's much, Nadia's much mean. I think mm-hmm. Nadia's a lot meaner than Ivy is. Ivy's just like, she, you know, she's in her own way and she's a bit vapid, but she's not necessarily mean when she's not provoked. You know, Nadia mm-hmm. is dealing with a lot and she's just like, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. In the best, in the best way, but... 
but but Ivy definitely had that aura of like I'm the pretty girl and I'm the blah blah. But I definitely have have found myself in that realm numerous times. Growing up as a latchkey kid in a small town in Maine, I always assumed I was safe. After all, unless it makes national news, murder isn't something people talk about around here. But that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Murder, She Told is a true crime podcast featuring crime stories, unsolved murders of missing persons, and baffling cold cases from my home state of Maine, New England, and small towns across America. These are the crime stories your hometown doesn't want to talk about. The mysteries buried deep in the newspaper archives of local American history. These are the homicides you've probably never heard of before. Through detailed storytelling and connections with family, friends, and investigators closest to the case, Murder, She Told will hit home for any true crime fan, whether you're from Maine or from away. Visit MurderSheTold.com to suggest your hometown crime story. And subscribe now wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Kristen Seavey, and this is Murder, She Told. We have rapid fire questions. So first okay. thing that comes to, he- to, to head, the first thing that comes Ooh, to head, first thing that comes to your mind. This is somewhat terrifying. Okay. Okay. Just, it's easy. Shake it out. Okay. We'll do a little warm up. You ready? Okay. Uh-huh. I'll start. This, this question comes from one of our patrons, Noah. Okay. He's the OG, or he's one of the OG patrons. And he asks, what's the craziest slash worst slash OMG is this really happening right now moment you've had? On stage? It doesn't matter. Oh. Sure. Um, 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 probably no fly show. No fly show. I mean, <laughs> it's like the ultimate, like. That's <laughs> like the ultimate, like the, this did not go right. This, yeah. this is not, this is not actually happening and I have no way to get myself out of it. Oh. Probably that's the biggest one. Okay. Question number two. Which Disney princess are you? God, I always wanted to be Belle. I always wanted to be Belle. Never had been. You would be such a oh. cute little bell. Okay. You still I'm could. Old. If you I'm come old, to Houston, if you come to Houston, look, I'm in my 30s and I still play princesses. If you come to Houston, I will slap a princess dress on you. You can be Belle. I work for a company. Ooh. We'll have a good time as princesses. <laughs> I almost played um, Ariel at Disneyland, which I never would have <gasps> really? thought that they would see me that way. But they do this weird thing where they like look at your face in 18 different angles. And it was Ariel. Really? Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> what is your craziest special skill? I'm double jointed in my fingers. I can bend oh. my fingers like Disgusting. that. Disgusting. And if Good. you put it Goodbye. close to if you put it close to someone's ear, you can hear it pop. Yuck. Oh. You are that is you are my worst nightmare. <laughs> Wait, do you do you put that do you put that on your resume? No, I don't think I think I think the last time I had special <laughs> skills on my resume, it was like tightrope walking, fire eating, lion taming, because I'm an asshole and I put that on there. Is just it real? To, it's no, just, but it was just like, why are you asking me for special skills? Knock it off. Here you go. You could have totally just lied to me and I would have been like, oh my God. I would believe it. I would just believe it. <laughs> okay. Here's some word association. I'm going to okay. say, I'm going to say a little phrase and I'll tell you when I'm about to go because people get confused. Okay. I want you to just react immediately. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Okay. A five, six, seven, eight. Da, 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 da,
Yes, I like how that, that theme changes every time someone does it. It always starts the same, but the second half <laughs> I know, is always different. I don't really know exactly how it goes. Not a dancer, never been in chorus line, but that's what I think of when I hear five, six, a five, six. No, yeah, no, literally. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite swear word? Motherfucker. <laughs> That is a very good Thank swear you. word. Um, what is your favorite go-to alcoholic beverage or non-alcoholic? Mm. I drink copious amounts of wine. <laughs> I love That's wine. That's why you're perfect I'm for perfect. this podcast. I'm a, wine, I'm a wine girl. I have lots of other favorite alcoholic beverages. I love a, a vodka soda, but Ugh. wine. I, I always have a bottle of wine. Always. And I'm an equal opportunity, white, red. What equal opportunity? What, rosé? Sparkling? Yeah, oh. I love rosé. I love rosé. I love sparkling. The only thing I don't like is sweet. I don't like sweet wines. I don't drink a Riesling or a Moscato or I, or I, I don't even actually really love Chardonnay or Pinot Grigio. I'm a Sauvignon Blanc girl and a red girl and, uh, and rosé. Amen. Who do you know that we should have on Wines and Dolls? You know who'd be a great, who'd be really fun is Ryan Redman, who I did Marvelous Wonderettes with, but she was also in Bring It On the Musical and Margaritaville the Musical. And she is just a doll and a half and she's so fun and she's so funny and she has great stories. She's the female Olaf, right? Yes, she's the yeah, female Olaf. She's yes. So yes. cute. Marissa Rosen would be a great guest for you guys. Are you kidding? Oh, she's she, fabulous. Marissa Rosen is, has, has 1800. She had, her stories make my stories look like, like Snoozeville. She's the nicest human being ever. And she has all these weird experiences all over New York and theater and voiceover and music and whatever. She is, yes, line up Marissa, but, but Ryan is awesome. You know who has really fun stories? My friend, Ann Bremel, okay. who was an Alphaba, who was an Eva Perone, oh. who was on the West Side, or not West Side, oh my God. She was on the My Fair Lady tour, um, uh, with her husband, her now husband, Michael Williams, um, when COVID happened and the shutdown happened and they have just like such fun stories. So Anne Bremel, she'd be great. So uh, yeah, Anne, Marissa, Ryan Redman. We have one more question <laughs> yes. for you. Got that? Okay, Charles? one more, one more, one more. And what, if you were to come back on Wines and Dolls, which we would love to have yes, you back, please. what musical would you want? What other musical would you want to whine about? Is there like a specific show that you've been in or you've seen or you're obsessed with that you could we spend an entire hour talking about how I was never in Les Mis? Yes, Yes. absolutely. (laughs) You and every other actress in New York. I love it. (laughs) No, because most of them have been in it at some point. All the times I was almost in Les Mis, my favorite show in the universe. Oh my gosh, yes. I would love that. I love it, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Emily, I think we've had enough guests on the show that say, I want to be in Les Mis, that we could just sponsor our own show. (laughs) Can we just do like an audio version of it? (laughs) Just like a sing-through concert? Yeah. Okay, done. Done. Who do you want to be, Jenna? You're hired. Be Eponine. Got you. I mean, yeah, but I'm, I, I, I aged out, so I got to move to it's Fontaine. It's voice. It's audio. We make Ashley oh, Kate something concert. crazy. It's possible <laughs> that you can find me singing on my own on YouTube. <laughs> and I will. <laughs> 
Thank you for so much for coming on the show and supporting us. We'd also like to thank our patrons who support us every single month, which include Noah, Allison, Sydney, Brandon, Victoria, Mama Lang, Mama Hardy, and Mama Keen. Thank you so much for joining us (laughs) and supporting us. You can join them on patreon.com slash wines and dolls, but you can support us in other ways by subscribing to this podcast anywhere you're listening. Currently we are free anywhere you listen to your podcast. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can scroll down to the bottom and leave us a five star review specifically on Apple podcasts. We would really appreciate it. You can even write us a little note about how much you love Jenna Lee green. If for more information on the podcast, you can find us at winesanddolls.com. We have a listener story coming up in a week and a half about. So if you have any stories you would like to share with us, please submit it via our website, winesanddolls.com, or email us at winesanddolls at gmail.com. Give us those ghost stories. Give us those show disasters. Uh, fails, show disasters. Audition costume, disasters. Audition disasters. We love the them one all. time you saw Jenna Lee Green and Wicked, and there was a riot <laughs> oh outside. I am gonna. I am gonna submit a story I'm so for this excited one about that. <laughs> <laughs> and you can also find us on social media at Wines and Dolls on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. And where can the people find you, Miss Jenna Lee Green? If you want to be found. If, you if want I to want found. to be found. Where you want um, to be found? <laughs> publicly, publicly, you can find me on Instagram at Jenna Lee Green and on Twitter at Real Jenna L Green. Because Jenna Lee Green was taken. Are you serious? Oh, I'm oh, sorry. No. That's my burner account. <laughs> That's where I go like, no fly show, whatever. Defy this. No, I'm just kidding. I don't even know. Defy Des- this. Defy this gravity. <laughs> And with that, I'm Chelsea. I'm Emily. And I am Jenna Lee Green. And, and this, this has been, been Wines, Wines and, and 